Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the DFS Dreamer podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. We are recording live from the very hot, from the very hot Fantasy Impact Today studios here in Alabama. Well, at least one of us is. I think you're probably a little bit cooler than I am up there in Indiana way there, Pierre. Are you not? Maybe a little bit. Uh, it was it was like 93 earlier, but it's down to 84 now, so we're we're cooling off a bit. Not, 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 look, 93 is when we roll out of bed here right now, man. We're hitting triple digits and stuff. It's getting crazy <laughs> down here a little bit, yeah. But the but the pool is nice. The pool is nice here in Alabama. Hey, we don't have a big pool. We just I got one of those little kiddie pools with the inflatable rings around the top of it. I wrestle with that thing all the time. I talk. I, I whenever I go out there and play with it, I, I tell the kids I'm going out there to walk the dog because that's what it feels like I'm doing. Because I have to clean the pool. I gotta I got I gotta do the filter. I gotta make sure things are right so they got something to play in during the hot hot months hey my daughter's actually in swimming lessons right now uh late bloomer for swimming uh, we have one in the neighborhood but it's like always crowded down there so we don't really go but she's taking lessons so hopefully uh she gets her her snorkel rings uh sometime here soon Every kid needs to know how to swim. You just gotta, you gotta know how to swim just in case accidents happen around the pool, ponds, or whatever. You gotta give the kid uh, the swimming lessons just to be able to get through those kind of events in case something tragic happens. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, but hey, we're here to talk about football. We're here to talk about baseball, basketball. We try to do a little bit of everything here at the DFS Dreamer Offseason Podcast. And Pierre, one of the things that's going on right now is the mm-hmm. Scott Fishbowl. You brought it to my attention. I don't think you're in the Scott Fishbowl, Wes. And I said, I don't think I am either. It's one of those uh, situations where an invitation comes by email and I don't check the email very much. JB actually like, like texted me the other day and said, are you in the Scott fishbowl? And I said, I don't know if I'm in and I think it was Monday. I, I, I don't know. And he said, well, check here's the link. He sent me the link and all that. Scott fishbowl is a very big event that goes on in the fantasy football community. Uh, a lot of money goes towards charities. I, I think we, they donated to, toys for tots at the end during the Christmas season. And Scott fish has done a great job with that. Uh, t- tens of thousands of, uh, people get put into the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, I love the charity aspect of it. Um, I wish there's a lot of folks that start just donating, you know, year round now. Yeah. And obviously we got our own, you know, Rob Norton who does the baby bowl for, you know, March of Dime charities, but really big event. Uh, you, you got fans in there. You know, I started as a fan and that's kind of how we ended up linking up really uh, was because of Scott Fishbowl. I believe it was Hope. Uh, FF Hope that I had in my Barbie division uh, back in the Scott Fish Bowl, and she got me hooked to the Hunger Bowl, uh, which is where I met you at. So that was a kind of full circle with the Scott Fish Bowl there. But she'll have some some personalities, some celebs in there as well as you know, a bunch of different fantasy analysts. So really fun, really good time, fantasy football, which everyone loves, and then of course the the charity aspect just kind of puts the the cherry on top of what everyone loves to do anyways. Yeah, and and I, I'm glad you remember that, Miss Hope. I remember Miss Hope being in that Hunger Bowl. Boy, that's we met Kangas. We met a lot of people in uh-huh. that thing. And JB Perry. I mean, there was there was a whole bunch of people that we run around with now in in the, our little circle that we had in that Hunger Bowl. It's a great event as well. And like you said, the Baby Bowl we have coming up here, of course, with Rob Norton. But uh, at the Scott Fish Bowl, there's a lot of mock drafts going on right now. How do you, where do you go to get, do the mock draft for the Scott Fish Bowl? So there's a there's a couple. Um, the main one is actually uh, there's a form you can fill out um, on Twitter. Uh, John Hoag's the one that runs it uh, at Superflex Duke. 
he has a form that you can fill out for a sign-up. Uh, you basically would toss in kind of what your, your spot is uh, or what it's projected to be uh, in your division. Uh, and then he, he just kind of goes through that sign-up list and will create one on the My Fantasy League website. And you just go through and kind of just do a couple practice rounds. That's what mock drafts are. Uh, I'm projected to be uh, drafting from the sixth spot myself. So I got one going from the sixth spot. Um, folks have it going from obviously other, other spots. Um, there's another site that we'll be on the lookout for. I don't think it's up just yet. Uh, it was the workshop last year, but I believe it's under the uh, fantasymocks.com. Uh, really good you know, mock draft website as well. That's uh, done by uh, Andy. I can't remember his last name. I think it's Estrich. Uh, he doesn't have the, the, the mock for the uh, fishbowl ready yet, but he's working on that. It's too, coming soon. Uh, but those are really the top two uh, for one super flex dude on Twitter. And then uh, fantasymocks.com should be up and running here, I'm guessing, in the next few days or so uh, for the Scott Fishbowl mock draft. I definitely suggest to get involved in some of those mock drafts. I know for me personally, and, and listen, I'm an old dude. Okay, I'm an old guy. <laughs> and I'm not real computer literate and all those things. Sometimes all those new platforms and uh, for me, Scott Fishbowl was a new platform whenever I went in there to draft and try to make waiver claims and all that to get familiarized with those my fantasy, fantasy league websites just to do a mock draft just so you know how wh- which buttons to mash. Right. Yeah. That, that's important. That's important because when the clock's ticking and it's a it's a slow draft, so the clock doesn't take very fast. But still, just to have my phone prepared, just to have my computer prepared, ready to go and all those things, I had to feel comfortable. I think the first year when we did that Hunger Bowl and stuff like that, it blew me away because there were so many new platforms. I was trying to download everything. I had that old phone. What I have, like an S, S4 or something, S2. <laughs> <laughs> my phone did not collaborate very well with all those different kind of sites. And, and so it it was very hard to draft. It was very hard to do anything. And and and, and to be honest with you, uh, the competition levels kind of go up a little bit in the Scott mm-hmm. Fishbowl and so forth. Because like you said, there's a lot of analysts out there. And they do a great job, I think, of putting, I don't want to say amateurs, because there's a lot of people I, I, that would put the amateur category on, but are very good fantasy players uh, compared mm-hmm. to the analysts or whatever. They try to mix and match that a little bit to where you know you get into one of those uh, leagues or those divisions with some, some of those bigger names. And that's really cool how they mix and match those things. Yeah. It's usually about split half and half. There's he, he tries to balance it out as much as possible. And as you stated, you know, oftentimes the, the fans, you know, might be better than the analysts. Um, everyone, you know, plays fantasy football. Everyone watches sports. Uh, it could just be a lack of opportunity that that yeah. person is, is a fan. So you keep that in mind, but it, it's still fun. It's, Good to share, you know, tips, best practices on, you know, fish bowls of old. Uh, I'm almost a vet, I guess. I'm going on year three now. Uh, so with some of the newbies, you know, you're able to to share, you know, what the super flex means, how the how the draft might go, how the scoring goes, just some different strategies and stuff, which is really fun, and just to see the excitement of not just the first timers, but those that that do have the you know the luck and, and blessings of getting in you know, year after year as well. So hopefully uh, you get your ticket. I think it's like 76% full, but I'd like for you to get in there so we can pick on you a bit as well. But yeah, it is like, really that, good. That, so you got the hidden <laughs> motives there. You just want to pick on me a little bit. What is the, uh, is Scott Fishbowl this year, two, a two quarterback league? Is it, is it all those things? Has, has there yeah, any new caveats flex. there? Uh-huh. Still super flex, um, which is your, you can start up to two quarterbacks. Uh, you, you got the the tight end premium still where I think it's half point PPR. 
uh, for your standard positions and then a full point for your tight ends. Uh, kickers are back. Um, I know Miss Linda will enjoy that, but kickers are back in fold. And, and this year you don't lose points for Miss Philgo, uh, which you did last year. So that's going to be uh, an interesting twist. Uh, the divisions are cities. Uh, so um, a lot of folks are signing up for what's in their area. There are about, I think, 10, 10 to 12 live drafts taking place. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. And I think those are going to be done through Sleeper. And uh, that's really cool. That's new. Uh, usually it all has been through the, the MFL site and slow drafts. So we're going to have some live drafts where folks can kind of get together, interact, uh, connect a little bit more in the community, which is really cool. So, again, looking forward to it. And it should be exciting. I think it's coming up. It's usually around the 4th of July weekend, but with the 4th falling on a Monday, I believe it's the, the week following where it's going to kick off July 11th. Well, and then we're, that's when uh, after all that kind of settles down, the dust settles down, probably two weeks there to get a lot of those all those drafts done and fulfilled. I think sometimes you yeah. get in a slow room or a fast room in the Scott Fish Bowl. But after that uh, two-week period, I think that's when Rob Norton is going to start ramping up the Baby Bowl. And if you don't know anything about the Baby Bowl, make sure you go check out Rob Norton's Twitter handle just to learn a little bit, little bit more about it. Also, I think it's still up on the Fantasy Impact Today Twitter handle at FI Today with a little underscore or Rob Norton's Twitter at, at Norton0723. You can check that out to find out ways to sign up for the Baby Bowl. Uh, we're planning on Trying to get a new record this year. I want to cause headaches, Pierre, for Rob. I, I it's just my little hidden thing there. Uh, we once once it gets so big, you got to start adding new things, and, and he loves to do that because he loves giving back to those charities, and that's wonderful for him to do that. Uh, Pierre, you said you're drafting from the six hole here in a super flex league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to lock up a quarterback whenever you're doing that, right? I mean, you, when you're in a super flex, you got to lock up a quarterback. You do. You do have to lock up a quarterback, but I don't know. So I, I actually had the sixth spot last year. And with the tight end premium, I took Kelsey uh, in the first round at six. Okay. And, and it worked out because I ended up getting Burrow uh, in like the fourth round last year. And he obviously got really hot late. I made it to the conference finals. Uh, had quite a few injuries that I think limited me from getting to the finals. I still almost got there. Uh, but I had injuries like James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, you know, Mike Evans got banged up. Carson Wentz just decided to stink uh, the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, but, yeah, you know, I didn't go quarterback in the first round or the second round. I started Kelsey and, believe it or not, Saquon Barkley, who didn't really do much last year. But I did mm-hmm. go quarterback at, at three and four uh, with uh, Burrow and Wentz. This year, I mean, they're flying off. If you look at the you look at the mock so far, it's – it's like five to, to six quarterbacks right off the bat. Um, your usual suspects, Herbert, Allen, Mahomes. Um, you got Kyler Murray in there. Burrow's right there, too. So quarterbacks are going to fly off the board. I think you want to get two of them uh, within the first four rounds would be my recommendation. Not necessarily having to do it in the first round, but it won't hurt if you can get one of those studs. No, and I, I'm looking at uh, over at Fantasy Pros right now. I'm looking at uh, a, a mock draft, or at least their rankings over here mm-hmm. that they have. And uh, Josh Allen is one, and t- Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey is three, three right there for Christian McCaffrey. That's what totally got me last season. I think in the Scott Fish Bowl was. Uh, the injuries to my quarterbacks. I, I kind of waited a little bit for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I got one big time or not, but I kind of waited. And I, I went with that philosophy of 
if we're ranking all of Ben Roethlisberger's wide receivers so high, why isn't Ben Roethlisberger going to have a good year? And he, he did not uh, have a good year. I don't think he was my first quarterback, but I put some eggs in all those later round quarterback baskets mm-hmm. to try and get the talent up front. And, and it, it didn't work out for me at all because all those quarterbacks that I had, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I had, I, I got him, he bummed <laughs> out, you know, all this. So I didn't have a real, it was hard to pick up people off the waiver wire at that point. All the quarterbacks are just about gone. You know, David, I'm, I'm riding with Davis Mills. I'm looking for Joe Flacco's, you know, the world. I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go. It didn't happen. I mean, you do. You got to, you got to oftentimes go to where you like to go, which is that bottom <laughs> of the barrel for, for quarterbacks. I know when Wentz sprang both ankles, uh, Daniel Jones got a concussion at a similar time. So I had to pick up like Trevor Simeon for a week or two. Uh, to, to Parrot Burrow. So it's tough, and that's why quarterbacks are important. Again, you can start up to two of them, uh, so they become more popular uh, that way as well. Um, you got to think that it's just it's safe to get a quarterback. You hope they don't get injured, but it's safe to try to get at least one of those top-tier guys, and then maybe you can punt that second one. But you want at least one. Uh, to You don't have to start two. You can just start one. So you want at least one that's solid. Uh, that you know you can depend on and just kind of locking your lineup week over week. Well, I've been working on rankings, and I've been uh, encouraging you, myself, and Rob Norton to figure out a way to do some rankings for the mm-hmm. Fantasy Impact Today Network a little bit this year. Uh, but I don't know why you two do not take the bull by the horn and try to figure out and tell me, hey, here's what you need to do. Because if you're going to wait on me to mash <laughs> the right buttons, to find the right places to do rankings, you're you're going to work. I'm trying. I'm trying, Pierre. <laughs> But it's, it's a slow process, okay, for me. Uh, but anyway, I've been doing tight end rankings and working on my wide receiver rankings. I got down to my top eight tight ends, Pierre. Top okay. eight tight ends. So let's see if this helps out in the Scott Fishbowl. Because, of course, like you said, tight end premium. So quarterbacks are a big value in a, a super flex league. So are tight ends whenever it comes to a tight end premium. And I will encourage people, you know, get those lock those people up whenever you have an opportunity to, just so you don't have to worry about them. You're going to have a bigger chance at finding – wide receivers that kind of blossom, uh, Mm -hmm. flourish during the year. Also, running backs that flourish a little bit during the year that you can pick up later later rounds in drafts. Don't make the mistake like I did and wait (laughs) to pick those quarterbacks that you think might flourish and outsmart the room, all those things that I talk about here uh, later on in the drafts. Get those people, lock them up early. That way you don't have anything to worry about. And Pierre, my number one tight end, Right now is Mark Andrews. I don't think that that I, – I think you're going to say, well, very good, Wes. You did not smart the room on that one. That's a really good choice, right? Uh, do you know how old <laughs> Mark Andrews is? Yeah, 26, 27. Boy, 26. You're right on the money, big dog. Uh, 26 years old. He's not very old at all. And mm-hmm. and I would have thought he was a little bit older than that. He's been around for a little while. Where he, But maybe it's just because he is just one of that big names that we are always used to being on that leaderboard. But last year he led the league in targets for tight ends, Pierre. Did you know that? I did. And receptions with 107. Targets, 153. Travis Kelsey only had 134. And then everybody else is way down there towards the 112, 110s at the very most for that second tier. 107. Do you think I'm crazy for putting Mark Andrews over Travis Kelsey? I have them one and two. I don't. Um, I think they're they're both talented. Obviously, as we we just mentioned, Andrews is, is actually like five or six years younger. Uh, then Kelsey, I, I do like Mahomes better as a, a passing quarterback, um, but each of them lost now their their top receiver also. So you got to expect more targets to potentially filter their way. Uh, Tyreek's down in Miami. You got Hollywood Brown out in Arizona. So 
Um, I've had them kind of neck and neck all off season. I, I felt like it was, was going to be Andrews, Kelsey, Andrews, Kelsey. That's going to be the decision. Um, I, I personally still, still lean Kelsey a bit just because of his quarterback, but I, I I'm perfectly fine with Andrews being number one. Obviously he finished number one last year too. So mm-hmm. I can see why you would do that. Both of them had nine touchdowns and really it might be a flip of the coin or, you know, mm-hmm. going into it all. And, and from a DFS standard, I, I you know, I can see why you, you've, you've fallen in love with Travis Kelsey. You were, <laughs> you were, you're always putting Kelsey there. And I remember the first year we were doing the dreamer podcast. So 10,000 every week for Travis Kelsey was nothing for you. You said that's, we got to yeah. go with it. We got to go with it. We gotta- it, did. it worked out. It didn't, it didn't too much last year. It kind of came back to earth a bit, but mm-hmm. that year before, I mean, he was getting up seven, eight K, but, you look at that tight end position, he was like receiver production. He was getting you Tyreek type numbers at the tight end. So you were giving yourself a, a leg up on the competition just by playing him every week and not trying to punt for someone that's going to get you five, six points. No, you're right. And that's where Mark Andrews ended up falling last year. Okay, for, for mm-hmm. Pierre, for me, for number three, he only played in 11 games last year. He's actually 29 years old, older than Mark Andrews. I would have never thought of Darren Waller. Darren Waller came in at number three for me at tight end. 11 games. He had 93 targets, 55 receptions, which I think that that's got to go up. He only had a 59% catch percentage, and I, I, everybody else is in that 70 range, and maybe it's because he ends up going down the field a little bit more uh, and double and triple teamed. I don't mm-hmm. think that those double and triple teams are going to come Darren Waller's way this year with Devontae Adams there, and he only had two touchdowns last year I think that opens up more for him around the goal line I went ahead and put him at three just because of the volume and I know Devontae Adams could cut into a little bit of that but I think he's mm-hmm. going to make up for that in receptions I think he can too and right now he's he's kind of the under the radar tight end believe it or not which is interesting because last year he was he was up there in the talks with Kelsey like Andrews is now uh with being that that second best guy and we kind of saw that play out in a lot of drafts and it just didn't, it didn't come to fruition. You, you had some injuries that he had and just not the production, you know, you saw Renfro get a lot of that, you know, slot type of production. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, like you said, with Devontae Adams there now, uh, him being the old college teammate of, of Carr and, and obviously one of the top receivers in the game, you know, Renfro's still there as well, but as you mentioned, that should prevent some of the, the double teams from happening for Waller and, he might be able to to get back in single coverage and, and really take off. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, he's fairly talented. Yeah. We've seen that. So I don't mind him at number three at all. Yeah, and that's I think he'll have more quality looks instead of quantity looks. You know, that's that's where I, I'm going there. Number four, number four. This is this is okay. <laughs> this one you're gonna get me on, okay? Because uh-uh. uh, yeah, yeah. But I think I can justify it a little bit. And these are initial rankings. I'm still gonna look, work on it a little bit more. I think this guy is going to have more opportunities this year. He had 104 targets last season, 78 receptions with those targets. He had eight touchdowns last year, Pierre, eight touchdowns, 800 yards, and there's no more Amari Cooper in Dallas. There's there's uh, none of the other, the other guys still hurt. Uh, what's his name? Was it, who is it? Jarwin. The, who? No, oh, yeah, Blake. No, 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 no. The wide receiver Gallup. Oh, Gallup wow. is still hurt. So to start the season, Dalton Schultz is going to be there. He might be the wide receiver, too, to start out there, if not the wide receiver one. I understand uh, that we've got a lot whoa. of, uh, of eggs in, in C.D. Lamb's basket, but they, <laughs> double, triple team. We're out of, you know, people, a lot of attention is going to be his way. Dalton Schultz is going to be standing there. I, I, I put him at number four, Pierre. 
everything checks the everything checks the boxes for me whenever I look at it in a high powered offense. That I got him at number four. I got him above Kyle Pitts basically because of the quarterback situation. I trust Dak a lot more, a lot more than I trust <laughs> the quarterback in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough because obviously Schultz had a really big year and I was on him like a lot of folks were on Jarwin, which is why I said his name. A lot of folks were on Jarwin uh, at the beginning of last year thinking, you know, he'd be healthier. He'd take over that spot from Schultz and I just didn't see it. And, and Schultz obviously solidified himself, uh, became a, a really big target for Dak. And I expect that to continue. Uh, I think he sees that in his own you know, mind as he's kind of set out some of the the voluntary workouts and camps uh, due to the franchise tag that he received. But I do like Schultz, uh, really good hands. We'll see if he can, you know, duplicate the, the year that he had. Um, you mentioned the, the more targets now with, without Cooper there and some of the double teams that CD Lamb, you know, could, could, could see himself, but you could also see more attention come to Schultz. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a less, uh, one less, you know, top talent on the field and folks kind of know that, you know, he's going to be a target now. So we'll, we'll see what he's made of. I don't mind him at, at four either. I do like Pitts. I know folks are worried about Mariota, but again, I, I remember Mariota yep. in Tennessee and some of the bigger years that Delaney Walker uh, had with Mariota as his quarterback. Yeah, he wasn't a great quarterback uh, by any means when it came to passing the ball, but he could get it in Delaney Walker's hands. So uh, that first rookie season for tight ends always tough. Uh, second years usually when they take off. So I think this could be the year that, that Pitts takes off. So I would have Pitts over Schultz myself. But I, I don't mind Schultz there either. No, no, and and you're right. It, it, Mariota might be able to do that. I just didn't see him do that. Yeah. <laughs> he was throwing the football. Okay, I don't think one of those receptions for Darren Waller came from uh, Mariota last season. Uh, but yes, I have Mariota. Um, I'm sorry, I got Kyle Pitts there at number five, and I really debated and flip flopped. And, and these are just mm-hmm. initial rankings. That one touchdown, man. If he could put up the same production that he did with 110 targets, 68 receptions, uh, 1,026 yards. He only had one touchdown last year. If he mm-hmm. could get more more than one, which I would imagine you can get more than one. <laughs> you <would> uh, think. <laughs> but uh, it, I, I, you got to see him moving up. And it would surprise me if he did move into the top three of the of the tight ends here before long. So I do like that. Coming in at number six, Pierre, I put George Kittle. I, okay. I, I debated on whether or not I wanted to put George Kittle there, but he's just such an integral part of that offense that it's hard not to put him there. Um, he, he missed a couple of games last season, only played in 14 games, had 94 targets, uh, uh, 71 receptions, six touchdowns. It's hard not to put George Kittle any higher than six and no lower than six for me. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still good. He's only 28 himself. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it, it kind of plays out with Trey Lance in the fold, uh, without Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Kittle's such a good blocker, and that's kind of a, a detriment sometimes to his, his fantasy production because the Niners like to run the ball. You know, they got that run, uh, that Shanahan run scheme, so they, they do like to run the ball. Uh, Kittle's a part of that, you know, offensive line. He's an extension of that often, uh, but he is a playmaker when he is allowed to, to run some routes, so I don't mind him there either. Uh, you hope he can stay healthy. He can stay on the field. You know, he's, he's pretty reckless. He's out there trying to knock your head off when he's blocking and trying to run over you when he's running with the ball. So he, he's definitely right there in the mix. A lot of these guys are going to be interchangeable uh, just depending on their situation and yeah. they can stay healthy and circumstances. But again, a pretty good place for, for Kittle there at six. Number seven, I put my guy Cole Komet in there. 
I did. I had I, I moved, and then that's okay. So seven. That's where I quit. Okay, that's where I quit. I I, I put eight Jaseki, uh, and I said, okay, Wes, you you went over on the Cole commit. We're gonna give the wide receiver, we're gonna tight ends a little bit of a break. Whenever you're making these rankings right now, let's just stop thinking right now. You're thinking way too hard. You're wishful thinking for putting Cole commit at number seven, but you know, ninety three targets last year. 60 receptions. Jimmy Graham is no longer there. He had zero touchdowns, Pierre. I, I looked at it a couple of different times, and I went, there's no Allen Robinson. There's nobody else to throw the football to. And Justin Fields has got a pretty nice arm on him, and that's yeah. see, how, see, how, see how I went, see how I started going. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm crazy for Cole Komet there at number seven, though, right? I mean, I put him there it's after Rob Gukowski retired, of course, uh, over yeah. T.J. Hawkinson. Over Fryermuth, over Goddard, uh, you know Evan Ingram. I put him. I, I moved him up to seven for me. Hey, there's a lot of people on, on board with you. Um, you gotta expect him to to see you know more balls, more targets his way. As you mentioned, uh, no Allen Robinson, who really didn't do much last year, anyways. Uh, hopefully Graham's you know not not there to steal the the red zone and end zone looks. Should be a better offense without Matt Nagy. Um, obviously, Eberflusch is a, a defensive coach coming from a, being the coach defensive coordinator, but you got to hope they got a, a plan in place to, to let Fields kind of use his athleticism and air the ball out. Um, <clears throat> the guy I would have there, uh, you mentioned him, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. I feel like he's going to be overlooked a bit. Uh, didn't play, you know, too many games last year. I think he only played 12 or so, mm-hmm. uh, but – you know, another year of, of golf should be a, a more of a connection. He did have some solid games before he kind of played through injury last year. You had some 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 weapons kind of emerge. I'm on Ross St. Brown. You know, they went out and got Jamison Williams there in the draft. So he's going to have some some openings. You know, he's not going to get that double coverage that maybe he was getting uh, now that they have some weapons there. Uh, obviously, Swift can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Um, so I think a lot of people are forgetting about Hawkinson, who was in that, you know, five or seven range uh, last year uh, when it came to the rankings. And I, I feel like he should be there again, uh, given that he's healthy and another season there with Jared Goff. One of the people that I was thinking about, and it was Jacecki, and that's where I quit. I put, I penciled him in at eight mm-hmm. and I said, I got to think about this a little bit harder <laughs> because with Tyreek Hill going there. Uh, one of the things that Tyreek is, is is does pretty well is go out of the slot, right? And Jalen Waddle okay. out of the slot, and that's one of the things I've always said about Tua is that he loves to throw the ball to those little slants, those little slot receivers, all those things that he did at Alabama. I've seen him replicate a little bit in the NFL, and I think Jacecki was a big. Uh, component of that offense with coming out of the slot. And I think our guy, uh, Andrew Cooper, he was the guy who brought it to our attention. I said, Coop, who is he going to throw it to? And he said, he's going to throw it to Jusecki. And he was absolutely right because Jusecki ran a lot of routes out of the slot. I wonder how many of those routes now are going to be taken away from Jusecki. Had 112 targets, 73 receptions, only two touchdowns for him last season. I, I, I penciled him in at eight, but I'm really worried about his fantasy value this year. It's tough uh, adding a guy like Tyreek. Obviously, we, we saw Kelsey do fine, uh, but, I mean, you have the Mahomes aspect of it as well, um, and there was no auto there in Kansas City. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. You, you look, again, there's talent on the field, so he should get a chance to, to see some of that single coverage. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. I like Gusecki, too. I don't know if I have him that high because of the weapons, but – I mean, I don't really like Goddard too much just because A.J. Brown's now there in Philly, yeah. and I don't think Hurts is a great passer personally. 
So I don't know about him. Dawson Knox is interesting. Uh, still there in Buffalo. I think he finished like tight end number six uh, last season. Uh, so we'll see how he kind of plays out there. There's no Cole Beasley, but they went out and got Crowder. Um, I don't mind Knox. Zach Ertz, he can still play. Uh, they went and drafted Trey McBride, the, the rookie, but you, you look at Ertz, he is really productive his time in Arizona. So there's a lot of guys, again, interchangeable in this range. So I don't hate Gusecki, but I could also see him going down a, a few notches and one of these other guys coming up. So we'll see how it plays out. That is Pierre, who is in the Scott Fish Bowl. What division are you in? Indianapolis. Indianapolis Division Pierre is in there. Make sure you check him out over on Twitter at PeeWee31 on Twitter. You can also follow me at Loafinit. I don't know if I'll ever put rankings out officially or not, Pierre. I don't know. It's going to be tough to do, man. You look at him and you go, you're crazy, man. That's what I do. But it, it's, it's fun to be able to talk about those things. But we'll move on from our tight end rankings because the NBA draft is coming up. And you said, Wes, one of the things we got to talk about is the NBA draft a little bit. I yeah. love to touch on those things. And I know you're a big college basketball hoops guy. Uh, me, not not so much. I I don't. I, there's not enough time in the day anymore, Pierre, for me. Uh, I got a teenage daughter, and I got a little daughter. We're just always. Oh, I, I, it's hard to keep up with college basketball when all you're doing is being an Uber driver for your kids. It's hard to do. <laughs> well, I got one, and she's not really into a lot of things. Like she she does a couple like plays and, and musicals. There's dance here or there, but. Unfortunately, she's not much into sports. I think she's she's slowly getting there. Uh, she didn't mind like wrestling, like WWE, I guess. But other than that, she's not out really playing. She wants to, but she didn't really do well in heat. But uh, we'll see as she continues <laughs> to get older. Uh, she kind of wants to step out there and you know play a, a sport. I, I know she likes to play them. Uh, again, it's just the the weather. She's not a be outside and start sweating type of person, but. It's it's what I do. Like I, I love sports. My family, we we're a sports family. That's how we kind of grew up. Always, you know, watching sports: basketball, baseball, football, uh, even hockey to some extent. Golf with Tiger. So I mean, that's what we do yeah. with sports. Well, and, and my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, my teenager, they, they perform. Both my girls perform. They're performers, you know, piano, tap dance and all that stuff. And my daughter did a great job. Tap dance recital this year. My teenager, oh, fantastic job here. I, I don't know. I, just fantastic. I was looking, looking at it. I didn't even recognize her up there on the, on the stage <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and I'm going, wow, I only got like two or three more years of this uh, left. And I got to appreciate and value it. She did a wonderful job with that. That's but awesome. she started getting involved more in sports. And, you know, she's always liked NFL a little bit. She's tried to start watching a little bit more NBA. And we were watching the NBA finals together. And she's always going against me, though. That's one of the things I noticed. Like, you know, she's got the big Patrick. I don't even know that she has any Chicago Bears gear. But she's got Kansas City Chief gear, okay? I don't know. And, and one of the teams that she liked was the Boston Celtics. Now, she liked them before they made it to the finals and everything. I don't know. Jason Tatum, I think, is the reason why. If I'm, oh if I'm, Yeah, I know. I, this is, I, I don't like having a team. But uh, so they made it to the finals. So she was interested and involved with watching the finals. And you and I talked about the Golden State Warriors and just how hard they are to beat. And, and Pierre, it seemed like they're just a two-man squad, if not just a one-man squad. Steph Curry was going crazy in those finals all except for game number five clay wasn't who he was supposed mm -hmm. to be in the finals i think he did just fine but man uh wiggins is the guy who really stepped up for them and i think put them over the edge there just was no answer for that combination of the guards uh and forward yeah wiggins was huge and i mean yeah i think he was a, a former first pick himself 
there and what I think it was Cleveland that took him and he got shipped out because of LeBron wanted Kevin Love and all those things. But he, he kind of finally, you know, reached his potential. And that's what being on a good team can do. Like you, you see so many situations where, you know, guys are called bust and, you know, oh, they're they're bust. They're they're not good. And sometimes it's just a spot. You know, sometimes they, they get drafted to a, a franchise or an organization that's poorly run or, you know, doesn't get talent around them. And, yeah, it's easy to, to bust out when, you know, you're getting all the defensive attention and you can't do anything because there's no playmakers around you. So uh, it was good to see him kind of step out both offensively and defensively. Like he, he was really good on Tatum and part of Tatum's struggles was because of the defense of Andrew Wiggins. So really good to, to see him excel. And, you know, I, I felt like he fit the Warriors really well uh, after Kevin Durant decided to leave. Uh, he, he brought some offense, but he brought that defense uh, on the wing that, you know, they really lacked and needed. And that really showed up in a few series. Uh, Draymond, he gets a lot of flack for, you know, running his mouth and his lack of offense, but, He's a good defender, good rebounder, good passer. I think he cries a little too much for me, so I'm not a, a big fan just because he whines every play. But they, they had a, they had a team, and that's what you want. You want a team. Yeah, you can have a star, but if folks can just fill their roles and, and kind of fit in where they need to be uh, throughout their that that organization and, and play uh, the role they were brought in to play, uh, that kind of kind of turns out at the end of the day. And as I said early on, like I saw them that first round. And uh, you can go back on one of our episodes. I was like, Golden State's going to win this thing just because they felt like the the Warriors of old with just the chemistry and how they were playing together and how guys fit into what they were called to do. Yeah, and they they really did play well together. Boston had a great year, uh, just a little bit lack of firepower. I would love to see it if, if Williams was healthy the entire time because he could just mm-hmm. dominate down low uh, compared to the other players that the Golden State Warriors had. But Coming up here in the draft, what are some teams going to do to try and uh, get to that finals or try and dethrone the Golden State Warriors, Pierre? Well, they, they got to get depth in some circumstances. So we'll we'll see the magic. They're up number one. Uh, I think they'll probably go Jabari Smith uh, coming out of Auburn. Uh, round 19 can, can shoot. Really good uh, shooter from the three-point range. Good defender. Uh, basically a big potential type pick. Uh, so you'll see him go first. Check Holmgren will probably come in second out of Gonzaga. Uh, big seven, you know, footer, seven, six wingspan. Uh, he's going to the, the Thunder. I think the Rockets are pick three. They'll go with probably Banchero from, from Duke. But it doesn't get down until, you know, some of the later rounds that you'll start to see teams that were competing, you know, try to get another piece or two uh, to kind of get them over the top to to beat the, the Warriors. So you'll you won't see it early on. Like early on, you you have teams that that struggle. <laughs> That's why they have early picks. I know my Pacers are there. They're they're pick six, but they're pick six because we we kind of stunk uh, last year, and it's our our first like tops top I think nine first top nine picks since like 1987 because we're we're pretty consistent when it comes to making the playoffs, etc. But you'll see certain teams, you know, made some some trades that they'll they'll kind of reap the benefits, like the Pelicans. Uh, they got pick eight uh, via the Lakers, uh, which was from a, a deal that they had back when they had, you know, Ingram and Josh Hart and those guys, Lonzo oh, yeah. Ball. The Lakers ended up being, you know, eh, pretty bad. You know, <laughs> LeBron got hurt, AD got hurt, Westbrook wasn't very good. So the the Pelicans at eight uh, is going to be interesting. They could get a good player. 
Uh, you look at the fact that they made the playoffs uh, last year, uh, had a pretty good first round. Uh, when you think about it, when they went out and traded for McCollum, Zion Williamson should be back you know, next year. So you add in Williamson, uh, you add in the fact that they're going to have a, a top eight pick. Uh, that could be a team that can make some noise come next year. Uh, you go down a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's ugly till you get outside, yeah. you know, 13, <laughs> 13, 15, the Hornets. Uh, they were another playoff team. Uh, they could add two first rounders there. Sometimes these teams can, you know, package their picks and try to bring in a, a star right now or a veteran. So those are a couple of teams uh, there early on in the lottery uh, that can make some noise and potentially give Golden State, you know, a run. Uh, but then you get to those late first round picks, the Hawks uh, there at 16, the Bulls. You know, there you go, Chicago at 18. You know, they can maybe add some pieces, get better. Uh, mm. And then obviously free agency will open as well, I think, sometime next week. Yeah, and there have been some players like Kyrie Irving coming out. And I think mm -hmm. he's uh, declining his option for going and returning back to the uh, Brooklyn. Uh, the girls just came home. The Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> and uh, so he's uh, and I think uh, John Wall has declined that option as well. So there's going to be some big time guards that I'm sure will be heading to the Los Angeles Laker area. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> they can try. Salary cap's an actual thing. I know it's not in the NFL because <laughs> they just stretch things out and give signing bonuses. But in the NBA, the salary cap is actually real. And so it's a little tougher to. To, to, to kind of pay everybody. You can usually pay two to three guys, but after that, you got to hope that folks take a, a really cheap deal. And that's not as, not as willing to do that these days as they, they may have been back when LeBron was guaranteed to be in the finals. I don't believe you, Pierre. I don't believe you. They always restructure deals. They do the things that they got to do in order to get things done. And I think that there's a swan song in uh, LeBron James future here pretty soon. Hey, let's jump over to baseball real quick, Pierre, if you don't mind, uh, and just go over some of these standings. We haven't gone over standings in quite some time. We like to make sure everybody is up to speed on the DFS Streamer podcast on all the different sports that we are covering here. And and I can't wait, Pierre. It's getting real close. I, I, I'm smelling DraftKings putting out the first week salaries here sometime soon. I'm smelling that out here a little bit. Uh, and I got some show ideas for that whenever we end up getting that far. But over in the baseball standings, Pierre, in the AL East, we have the New York Yankees extending a lead up to 11 and a half games over the Toronto Blue Jays. Boston Red Sox are 12 and a half back. Tampa Bay is 13 back. And Baltimore is slowly fading, maybe quickly fading, swinging, uh, going down the track, 20 and a half games behind the New York Yankees right now at this point. Look at the run differential, Pierre, for the New York Yankees. 144 on the run differential. Yeah. Man, a lot. That, that's a lot of runs. Yeah, they're good. Uh, it's it's tough to beat them right now. And you know, their their staff, their pitching staff started to, to get it together. Garrett Coles figured it out, though I, I still think he might have something on his pants. Uh, if you kind of watch that footage. Uh <laughs> Nestor Cortez has been really good. Uh, Montgomery's been silent, so they're well-rounded, and then, of course, they got the bats. They got Judge, Stanton, uh, LeMayu. They got Rizzo, obviously, from the Cubs, and, you know, even you know, Torres, who technically came from the Cubs as well. Those guys are all starting to hit. They brought in Donaldson, so they're the real deal. I'm not sure anyone in the, the AL East is going to catch them, and that's saying something because the, the teams there, you know, the Red Sox, yep. the, the Blue Jays, they're good too, the Rays, so they could, they could get one or two of the, the wild cards out of this division also. 
Yeah, and and uh, like Tampa Bay is quickly fading. They, they had a couple guys go on the injured list, Margot and uh, the guy with the K, Kiermaier, Kiermaier, I think he yep, went on the Kiermaier. injured list as well. Yeah, Boston, uh, they made a big switch there at the front of their lineup. Enrique Hernandez, who was on the injured list, he's no longer batting leadoff for them. I don't know if he's going to whenever he comes back. Who's the guy? Drury is – no, not Drury. No, it's it's uh, Duran. Durant, Durant, thank you. Uh, he's batting lead, doing pretty good for their. They need, they need a change. They need the, Enrique. Just not. He doesn't get the job done batting leadoff. He's done it for the last couple of years for him, and just really disappointing if you look at everything. Yeah, it's tough because uh, I don't know why they did that initially. Um, I never minded Kiki, but even when he was with the the Dodgers, he wasn't really you know your leadoff type of hitter. Uh, so that was a trial by error. You got Trevor Stories finally warmed up for them as well. Uh, he was a big acquisition coming over from the Rockies. And then they got Devers in the two-hole. They got J.D. Martinez, Bogart. So, again, they have a really good uh, lineup from a, a batting standpoint. I do worry about their their pitching staff a bit. Uh, I don't know. Michael Walker's kind of found the fountain of youth uh, this year. He's pitching yeah. really well. But other than that, it's going to be tough for them that I feel compete uh, unless their bats can can get hot, stay hot. Cleveland is on top. I think they've dethroned Minnesota since the last time that well, they're mm-hmm. actually tied with Minnesota. Uh so they're 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 kind of they're listed first, probably alphabetically. I don't know why they're listed first. They're maybe winning percentage. Winning percentage yeah, yeah five fifty-six to five fifty-one. Uh but over Minnesota right now, the White Sox are creeping up there. They're only four games back, and I don't know how they're doing it really. Tim Anderson has been on the injured list. They Tony Russa seems to be on the hot seat there right now for some reason. Uh I th- I, I think that there a lot of people have for some questioned. Reason. Well, they've questioned his his batting order at different times. Like, what are you doing, man? They're uh, like the, under five hundred. They're the favorites I, to win this division. They're a game under five hundred. There's there's a reason for you right there. Well, yeah, Robert's been hurt. Uh, Jimenez has been hurt. I, there's a lot of things that Tony Arusa has been overcoming a little bit. Lance Lynn has been hurt. I, I look now and then the the closer Kendricks Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's on the injured list now. So he's I mean Tony Arusa's batting battling injuries along with Cleveland and Minnesota. He is, he is, but I mean, there's still expectations of that team, that roster. So even with injuries, you know, you got to look at like the, the Guardians who are who are right there leading by win percentage. Like they got rid of Lindor and some of their top guys. And you look at their lineup, other than, you know, Jose Ramirez, who do you really know? Who are you really afraid <laughs> of? But yet they're they're still right there. Uh, White Sox still have solid pitchers. So you, you mentioned, you know, Lynn, they still got Giolito. Uh, he, he's solid. Um, uh, Kopech, I know he's hurt, but he's been he's been well. Dylan Cease has been really good. Their bullpen really stunk. Uh, so Hendricks yeah. could be a big piece, but you know they got rid and traded. You know Kimbrel, who they they brought in from the the Cubs when that that Nick Madrigal trade. So they still have talent around. They still got Jose Abreu has been in the lineup. You know pretty much each day, and I like a lot of guys. Andrew Vaughn, I like him. Jake Berger has had a pretty good start to the season. So they're still a talented roster. They just can't get wins, and it's mostly their bullpen. So I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out before the leads they've blown. But he's on the hot seat because he's the manager. Uh, they're expected to win, and they're not winning. And that's exactly why Joe Madden got taken out of the Angels there. So same same scenario, just different team. 
Yeah, and I, I get it. I know why he's on the hot seat. I, I but at the same time, and and I know I'm the first. I'm the, I'm guilty of not being consistent in some of my takes with things. But I, I'm going to give Tony Larusa a little bit of, a little bit of leeway just because that team has not quite been able to play together as often as they should. Uh, I think they're still looking for something to unite them as a squad. Those Chicago White Sox, Detroit is eleven and a half games back, and Kansas City is twelve games back. I think that division is still running around there. Kansas City might be able to even make some headway. Detroit has started to get a little bit hotter. They're two and eight, so it's hard to get any colder. But <laughs> over their last ten, but just they, they, everything seems to be coming together. You know, when I look at this division here, that's the cold. That's one of the colder divisions in the league mm-hmm. uh, as far as weather goes. With the new ball, the stadiums, and so forth. I just wonder how much that's affecting some of these places. Like Detroit is one of the worst stadiums for hitters that there is. Period. <laughs> and, and, and then with the new ball. Ball that's there too. You think about some of these offensive numbers as I look at the runs scored. All these teams, all these teams are so low in the runs scored area. Uh, it's really surprising to look at that. Well, I mean, their their lineups aren't that great outside yeah. of the White Sox. I feel like I, I still think the White Sox have a really good offensive lineup. But when you look at like the AL East where we just came from, and we just talked about the bats the Yankees had. You look at the Blue Jays; they got Guerrero, you know, Bichette. Springer. So, you know, they got studs, you know, we said the Red Sox, you know, with Devers and Story, J.D. Martinez, Bogarts, they have bats. Whereas a lot of these teams below, like the Guardians, I think it's just Jose Ramirez, personally, the Twins, it's it's mostly, you know, Byron Buxton, uh, though um, Luis Araz has gotten kind of hot here lately. Uh, Kepler, I've always liked him, but he's not one of those big names. So, they also just don't have the offensive firepower in addition to it being colder um, there as well. But it, it's cold, you know, in, in New York, it's cold in Boston. It's cold yeah. in Toronto that they play in the Dome. So I guess that, that changes things a little bit. It's not cold anywhere anymore. You talk about names. I'm going to give you a name that you need to trade for. I believe it. And Rob Norton and I have been working on a show for the last couple of weeks. As everybody's schedule, summertime schedule, it's hard to get to everything. But we are dedicated here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. By the way, if you're listening on Apple iTunes or whatever it is called, uh, leave a review. Slap those stars around for us. It always helps whenever you leave a review to push the show up so people can see the show a little bit more. And that's including on Spotify or any of those kind of platforms, whatever you listen to it on. If you leave a review, that always helps the show tremendously. And Rob Norton and I plan on nerding out a little bit more on the baseball stats. All right. So, Rob, 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 I don't know if you know this, Pierre, or not. I, I'm going to whisper it just in case Rob's listening. Rob's a nerd when it comes to stats. I mean, he's he's like he likes to nerd out a lot, and I don't mind it either, especially whenever it comes to baseball stats. And so we're going to look at a little bit of uh, maybe some hidden sleepers of players that you can trade for who look like they have some very high expected averages, batting averages or home runs here the second half of the season. And one of those guys is Fran Mill Reyes, who's been on the entered list for the Cleveland Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, man, he's just, he mashes the ball. He makes great contact whenever he's in there. I think a trip to the eye doctor would help him out a lot because he's striking out <laughs> tremendously. Treme- don't, don't get him in a points league or anything like that. He strikes out tremendously, but I think that he's, he'll probably be on a 30 home run pace the second half of the season. That's that's I'm I'm not saying he's going to hit 30. I just a 30 home run pace for the year. So that's probably about 15 20 home runs somewhere in that neighborhood the second half of the season. I think he can really do that. I mean, he even showed power um out in San Diego uh before he got traded mm-hmm. to Cleveland. So it's it's definitely there and that's kind of what's benefited them is they they've had guys get hot to pay Ramirez at different times. So obviously it's like Stephen Kwan to start the season super hot. You had Owen Miller 
uh, get hot. Um, Josh Naylor's been hot here recently, so they they kind of just kind of take turns. And so I, I think Fran Mill will, will have his day as well. And he he still has the power, so hopefully he can just kind of switch some things up. You know, be a little bit more judgmental of that strike zone and. I'm sure his numbers will start to come up. Maybe somebody will tell him there's a strike zone. Maybe that'll help <laughs> a little bit. The Houston Astros are 10 and a half games above the Texas Rangers. The Los Angeles Angels are 11 and a half games back. Seattle is 13 and a half games back. And Oakland is 20 and a half games back of the AL West here. This is going the way we thought it would. I think it's shaking out pretty similarly to how we thought we would. But man, that Rodriguez kid in Seattle, that is somewhat yeah. special. Top He's five tough. next year in fantasy pick. Definitely. Probably. I like Julio Rodriguez a lot. So I wish the Mariners were better. I liked watching them last year. Uh, I think yeah. Hanniger's been hurt uh, most of the season, but they went out and added, you know, Jesse Winkler, uh, who was really good there with, with Cincinnati. So Ty France has been better uh, this year. So it, it's sad that they haven't quite put it uh, together like they did last year. Really stunned with the Angels. Um, you got guys that are generational talents and, and Mike Trout. Uh, obviously Otani and they just can't, they can't figure out. And they got hot there for a while, but then they lost what 11, 12 straight. They started playing Nickelback to, to try to break uh, their <laughs> losing streak. And I don't know if that helped anything, but it's just tough. Obviously Madden got let go, but he got again, two of the, the most generational talents that we've seen in baseball in a long time on the same team. And they can't put a, a team and roster around them to be successful and to win. Uh, and there's the Astros again. You know, everyone gives them a hard time about the whole cheating scandal, but you know all that's behind them. And these guys are still hitting. These guys are still winning. So uh, sooner or later, you have to give them their due, unless you you feel like they're still cheating somehow, which there has been no reports that that's the case. No, not though. No, nobody's accusing them of putting stuff on their pants, Pierre. Nobody's <laughs> doing that. In the NL East, the New York Mets are five games above the Atlanta. Uh, not Falcons, not Hawks, the Braves. the Braves. Wow, I went through all the names except for the one. The field, that, that's the dangerous part of doing the DFS Dreamer offseason yeah. podcast here is we cover too many sports, and, and I don't have too many brains. All right, all right. Philadelphia Phillies are eight games back. Miami is 12 and a half games back, and Washington is 20 games back. I wonder when some of these teams are going to start making moves. Like, you know, I look at Washington down here. I look at Oakland down there. I look at Baltimore down there. What are some of these players, or some of these teams going to start making a little bit of moves to shake some things up and whenever i look at a a, you know a baltimore club for example they got some good hitters on that team mount castle's a good hitter i love saying i love saying santander i know that's not his name but that's the way i always say it santander yeah yeah i I like i like the the Orioles a lot actually like i like mullins and mancini and i think i got mount castle in my my lineup tonight it just locked so uh, usually you, you, you tend to get, you know, close to the, the all-star break at, at least. And uh, things will start to unfold by the, the trade deadline when you, you clearly have your, your buyers and sellers once that's actually played out. So it'll, it'll take place. Guys will, will get rid of folks and k- try to build up that, that farm system and kind of go from there. Unfortunately, I expect our Cubs to, to probably be in there and, and trade Wilson Contreras. And it's just tough because we, we, we went from actually winning and, having a competitive roster to really just thinking up the joint like we're awful and i actually have a, a little friendly wager with my uncle who's a reds fan uh, who would actually finish last in the nl central and i thought it was cake to start the season because the reds were awful but now we're only like a what, half a game game and a half up on the reds 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm gonna have to buy some Reds gear and, and wear Reds gear, which I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to. But it's getting more like a reality these days. Uh, one of my favorite players is on the Reds, Joey Votto. I just love, love how he interacts with the fans. It's fun to watch that. And speaking of the NL Central, Milwaukee is on top of that, uh, tied with St. Louis, I guess, winning percentage-wise. Uh, those two teams are tied nine and a half games above the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have demolishing the Cubs the last couple of days. The Cubs are yeah. 13 games back. How do the Cubs – this is baseball. How do the Cubs – and the Atlanta Braves winning streak of 11 or 12 games, whatever it was, maybe one to nothing. They beat the Braves one to nothing. And then they go out and get slaughtered by the Pittsburgh Pirates. The, uh, the, just, just crazy stuff. The Chicago Cubs are 13 games back. And like you said, the Reds are 14 and a half games back. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Uh, I guess the, the friendly confines of Wrigley Field was part of it. And, uh, I think they took like two from the, the Braves, actually, maybe. But it's it's been a rough season. Uh, Brewers and Cardinals, they're actually playing each other. Uh, they're in a series right now. I think it's Eric yep. Lauer and, and Adam Rainwright going tonight. So mm-hmm. one of these teams will will take the lead again after one night. Uh, that's, that's basically who this division is going to come down to, Brewers, Cardinals. I still lean Brewers. I like their pitching staff better. But the Cardinals keep, you know, staying atop divisions. I don't get it. I don't like the Cardinals, but they they win every year. It feels like, or at least stay competitive. Uh, big market in Chicago, but we we can't put the consistency that the, the Cardinals do. So bravo uh, to that organization and whoever calls their shots. But it'll be tough. Um, I think the Phillies. <clears throat> I know we kind of went over, kind of jumped down about the the Cup bet, uh-huh. but Phillies have kind of warmed up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how the NLEs plays out. Obviously, the the Mets are are still top, but the Braves and Phillies are closing in, so it'll be interesting how that 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 division unfolds. Yeah, well, the Mets are getting some of those pitchers back, and Philadelphia's pitchers are actually starting to pitch a little yeah. bit better with Nola and Wheeler uh, pitching there, and and Gibson has not been shabby at all himself. Not. No, no, not at all. And you know, St. Louis is always right there, just perennial all stars. It seems like as far as the top of the division goes, because they've had Tony Larusa as their coach, and he set them up for a long term game. He's been their coach yeah. in like years. <laughs> It's just yesterday. I think Matheny was the last one that was fired there, so it's, he hasn't even been the most recent terminated coach it, there. It's, it's just like yesterday to me, Pierre. Just like yesterday. well, they keep getting guys like you you hadn't heard of, and they just go off like Edmund. Didn't know who Edmund was. All of a sudden, he's top. Now this year, they brought up like Gorman and and uh, Donovan, and all these guys are like hitting all of a sudden. Then they they <laughs> add in a couple bangers with like Goldsmith and Arenado, and boom, they just stay. They stay at top. They don't fall off. It's just, it's maddening. <laughs> you got emotional there. I can, I, I can tell which your your one of your most hated teams are. Is the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know and how I, we can't do that. We're a big market in Chicago. It makes no sense. <laughs> ah. NL anyway. West, the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres are tied on top of that division. The San Francisco Giants are just three and a half games back. Arizona's 11 games back. And Colorado is 12 games back, Pierre. Uh, Dodgers, I, I'm glad to see they're not on top. That's what I. That's the thing that makes me happy. I'm glad to see they're not on top. <laughs> yeah, they are technically by percentage, but hey. uh, the Padres right there. And, again, that's impressive because you look at the fact that Tatis hasn't played you know, this season, and when they get him back, that's going to be more firepower for them. Uh, Darvish has pitched really well for them. You know, Snell's been there. He's been good. So they've been solid. I think this this is a pretty good division. We mentioned it. Yeah, the, the Diamondbacks and Rockies still fell off. But the Giants, they're still only, you know, three and a half back. And 
I like their lineup. I like their bats. You know, there's Stremski and, you know, you got, you know, Crawford, Belt. Good lineup there. And, you know, went out and got Carlos Rondon from the, the White Sox. And he's pitched really well. They got Logan Webb. So this is a really good division. And it's going to be interesting, again, once the, the postseason comes and these teams kind of got to, you know, play each other. Mets, Dodgers, Brewers, Cardinals, Padres, Giants, Braves, Phillies. Those are good matchups. That, I can get excited for those type of games. I can too, Pierre. All right, that's that's we're gonna go over wide receiver rankings next time, Pierre. So be ready for that. I have got a surprise. I think I think a surprise top five wide receiver. It's not really that big of a surprise, but I I, I almost want to lock him in to my top five wide receivers that I don't think everybody's gonna have there. But I think it's I think it's clear as day. So Rex we'll be looking Marius. forward to that one. We'll be looking for that one on the DFS Dreamer podcast here next time. Uh, good job, buddy, as always. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on here uh, today in the hot, hot weather. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Fun as always. Uh, looking forward to, uh, obviously, the, the NFL season starting. We're, we're getting closer. The, the, the preseason usually kicks off right around August. I'm guessing that's when the salaries will be released, so... Uh, it'll be fun. We're, we're inching closer as uh, we go through this summer heat. Yes, to getting to the DFS Dreamer podcast, where we always go over the DraftKings lineups each and every week. Maybe even a little bit Yahoo lineup, too, this year, Pierre. Maybe I'll be going into the Yahoo lineups a little bit more. I think that used to be their little thing where <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. This is getting wild. All right. So uh, make sure you follow Pierre over on Twitter at PeeWee31 uh, for any Scott Fish Bowl updates or anything that you got, any kind of questions that you have for him heading into that draft. You can also follow me over on Twitter at Lofinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Uh, but more importantly than all those other actions, Fit Fam, we always want to find, uh, encourage you and make you find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 